Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. We're going to start actually in verse 20 this morning. The bulletin says 23, but just for context, I'll start in verse 20 and we'll read to the end of the chapter. Now, there were certain Greeks among those who came to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, An angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of the world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. This he said, signifying by what death he would die. The people answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. And how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus said to them, A little while longer, the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. But although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him, that the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke. Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because Isaiah said again, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts in turn, so that I should heal them. These things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Then Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. I have come as a light into the world, that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, 
I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading from his word this morning. You may be seated. Well, we've been going over the gospel according to John for quite a while now, for a few months. And we've continually been reminding ourselves of John's purpose, and that is to present the deity of Christ, um, who he is, the Son of the Son of God who became the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. And really, that purpose is really evidenced here in John 12 as we've gone through it. And um, last week, we began looking at this passage as we began considering um, Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem, um, the entrance of the light. And again, this is all on the heels of, as I slid through that other uh, slide that we've considered over and over again, Jesus' declaration of who he was and drawing the line in the sand and how that line is really becoming clearer and clearer. I mean, you you have to be deciding what side of the line that you are on. And so as Jesus came into Jerusalem, the, the people began to, to cry out this statement from Psalm 118, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of Yahweh, the King of Israel. And, um, and then we're told that it was fulfillment of the passage from Zechariah stating, fear not. And so as we considered that, um, last week, this is kind of a quick review from Psalm 118. In the passage there that they were declaring, they were, if you would, receiving the Messiah. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But what did we see at the end of Psalm 118? What else is attached there? Does anybody remember? The sacrifice. Bind the sacrifice. So at the same time as they're receiving Messiah, they also are receiving than the Passover lamb. All this is going on at one time. Did they understand it? Probably not um, until later, but all this is playing out. But then we had this prophecy that's being fulfilled from Zechariah as well um, regarding the fact that Messiah would come in meekness. They would come in humbly riding on the foal or the, the colt of a, of a donkey. He's not coming in on a white uh, charger as you would expect, like a Roman general or whatever, but he's coming in on a donkey. Um, his message, does anybody remember what his message was from that passage? It was a message of what? Hmm, good, a message of peace. He was coming to bring a message of peace, and who was the message of peace to? Anybody remember that? All peoples, which is exciting, okay, because we're going to talk about it in just a moment, just as a review again. But it's coming to all people because he would be ruling over all nations from sea to sea. Well, that leads us then into the rest of this um, passage that we saw last week, the confusion of the disciples, the consternation of the Pharisees over what's going on, but then the curiosity of the, the Greeks. 
So there in the midst of, they're declaring that Jesus is coming. There should be a reminder that when he's coming, he's coming as a Messiah for who? For everyone, right? And so what's kind of exciting, if you would, in the midst of all this, is that there is some of the everyone's there, some of the Greeks. And they're asking, they come to Philip because they want to see Jesus. Philip, we're not sure why, but he turns around to, to um, Andrew. And, and then Andrew kind of says, well, let's just go. You know? And so they go to talk to Jesus. And so when they go to Jesus, Jesus kind of answers, if you would, in a way that is kind of confusing to us. We talked about it a little bit last um, at care group last week, um, as far as why did Jesus answer the way he did. And I think that in my brain, again, and I'll go to that slide, um, that Jesus is, is focused. He's, he's got a purpose going on here. And that is he's coming in, he's going to offer his, his life as a sacrifice, but everybody else is, is focusing on what? I mean, what what are everybody else focusing on right now? They're, they're, the, the king's coming, okay? Or some of them seem as a king, some of them seem as a, a great prophet. Some, you know, but there's the exciting side going on. They're missing everything else that's going on. And I think Jesus, numerous times, and I could go through other passages, uh, that every time the disciples are missing it, it's like he he brings them back. Like you guys are missing it. I'm going to die. You know. We're going into Jerusalem, and I'm going to die. And so here's another one of these moments where, you know, they're, these Greeks want to see you. Well, look, I'm about ready to die. And so he goes in with this principle of glory and honor that he's now getting ready to talk to them about, and it's his glory and our honor. That's kind of actually cool. It's his glory, our honor. Who's he dying for? Us. Do you think that's a pretty good honor? I mean, think about it. So regardless of what you think about Joe's, Joe Biden, right? He's the president right now, okay? I was going to say Donald Trump, okay? But he was the president. So regardless of whether you want to go Republican or Democrat, I really don't care, okay? But the president decides he's going to offer up his oldest son for you to get off death row. Would that be an honor? I mean, that's just an earthly thing. And so, so you have this situation that's getting ready to be presented, okay? And so, so first of all, we have this entrance of the light. Jesus says, he answers them, he says, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be what? Glorified. I want you to think about it, because he's going to talk about that a couple of different times, okay? The time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. What's he getting ready to, what's getting ready to happen? He's going to die. How's he going to die? shamefully from the eyes of the world in the eyes of the world he's going to die shamefully he's going to die on a cross okay not uh, much clothed he's going to be a spectacle for everybody to see but jesus says the time has come for me to be glorified most assuredly i say to you unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies it remains alone but if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, conditional, if anyone serves me, let him, what? Follow me. What's the context so far? 
his death, his sufferings, his persecutions. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will what? Honor. Ah, so he's not, again, talking about his own honor. He's talking about our honor. And so Jesus gives us this explanation, okay, of what he's talking about in this principle with this concept of a seed, okay? A piece of grain, if you would. A grain, though, a wheat grain is just a what? It's just a seed, okay? And so the seed in and of itself has a purpose, okay? What could you do with a seed? Let's go with the grain first before, before we go with the pumpkin seed. Let's go with the, the grain. What can you do with a piece of grain? You can eat it, okay? Do, do you know, I mean, is there any occasions where we know of someone just popping a, a kernel of grain into their mouth and eating it? Yeah, the disciples. So it's even in the Bible that they were walking through the, and they were just popping grain. I don't know if you guys have ever done this, but we have we have buckets of, of of grain, and so every once in a while when we open up a new bucket, I just I like taking a couple of the uh, the they called berries, the wheat berries out, and uh, we don't think of them as berries, the kernels of seed, you know. And I like just chewing on them, you know. It's kind of like you know, it's kind of weird, kind of like dry, you know, but it's kind of fun, anyways. And so that's what they did, you know. You're just kind of eating, and you're getting all the nutrients because you just come right there, right? Okay, so you can eat it. What else can you do with it? You can plant it. Before we get to planting, what can else can you do with it? Oh, you can grind it. Oh, that sounds pleasant, doesn't it? Especially if you're the seed. You can grind it. What are you going to do with it when you grind it? You're going to well, you mix it with other things and then bake it. You make it into bread. Good. Okay. So it's going, to, it's going to become something else. Or you can plant it. But what happens to it when you plant it? Think about it, really. What are you doing with it? You're burying it. You're burying it. What's going to happen to that? Now, don't give me the, the plant for a moment. But in a sense, what's going to happen to that seed? It's going to split open. Seed's going to come out. Okay, we got that process. But ultimately, what's going to happen to that seed? I, I go back later looking for it. Where's it at? It's gone. Okay, it dissolves. It it becomes part of, if you would, the new new plant. Okay, the new plant is going to get some of its initial nutrients and stuff like that from it. It also gets its DNA and everything else from it as well. It's kind of a cold process, right? So he gives us this explanation. He says, so unless the grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. And so he then turns it to us and says, you guys, I want you to do what? Likewise. He who loves his life will what? You'll lose it. Do you know of any other passages, like from the book of Matthew, where Jesus talked about this too? If you what? Take up your cross daily and follow me, right? So you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. For he who loves his life in this for he who loves his life in this world will what? You'll lose it. I mean, eventually everything what? Dies. Everything dies. The the, the law of entropy, right? Everything heads toward what? Disorder and decay. Everything's gonna die. Everything's gonna 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 go away. In this life, okay, I know I say all the time, you can't what? You can't kill me. Okay? But the reality is this thing, this shell that I'm living in, is gonna what? It's gonna die. It's gonna decay. It's gonna be planted in the the ground. And if I am loving this life, if I love this seed, 
This seed is beautiful. That's a pumpkin, not a pumpkin seed. That's a watermelon seed. If it was a pumpkin seed, I would have other things I could do with that pumpkin seed. I could bake it, and I could eat it, and I could salt it, and I could do that. But I love that watermelon seed. And, and I don't want anything to happen to that watermelon seed. So I do what with it? I preserve it. How can I preserve that seed? I take care of it. I dote on it. I don't let any harm come to it. Do you kind of do that with your life sometimes? Because I love my seed. And I want, I want to take care of my seed. I don't want my seed to what? Die. I don't want to bring death to myself. But the analogy is, when I hate my life in this world, eventually I will what? I will keep it for all eternity. Now, I want to tell you a story about a watermelon seed. Many, many, many years ago, note Marcia has longer hair and it's not as highlighted. And um, <laughs> she does this on purpose. This isn't natural gray. Anyways, so anyways, we had a, a watermelon. I can't even tell you anything about that watermelon other than somewhere we got a watermelon, whether somebody gave it to us, whether we bought it, whether whatever. And we had a compost bin back then, you know. And so we used to compost everything because we had a garden and everything. And one day I went out to the compost, and sticking out of the top of the compost, there was a... Nope, it wasn't a watermelon. Come on. There wasn't a cantaloupe. There was a green thing sticking up with leaves on it. Called a what? It was a plant. I have no idea what it is, Brian. See, you're looking at the picture, and you're assuming something. Geometry says we, when we look at the graph, we never assume. We look at the data. Anyways, so you're right. You're ahead of me. So all I saw was a plant. It was a good-looking plant. Normally, I would, if I saw things like that, I just what? Pluck them out because they're weeds, and I don't want to get down with the weeds, right? But it was a good-looking plant. And I decided that I was going to scoop it out. I really did. And I put it in. I can even tell you it was a white little pot that I stick it in. Okay? And it was on my... On my um, uh, deck and I watered took care of it and it got bigger and then I planted it I still didn't know what it was <laughs> but that's what we got from it how cool is that right so that little bitty seed not, not that one of course I got that one from Google someplace anyways but one of those little bitty watermelon seeds that you just what either swallow or you know have spitting contests with or whatever with produced that thing that was really huge for her to hold on. And that was just one. And it was just discarded, dying. Do you get what I'm saying? How many seeds do you think are in that watermelon? Hundreds. And if every one of those seeds in that watermelon were planted. But it takes the death of the one to produce the hundred. Do you get where I'm going here? Jesus said, unless you're willing to deny yourself, to take up your cross, your cross daily, and follow me. So there's then the law or the principle of this production that goes on that we see in elsewhere. I could have other passages up here, but I just chose two right away. First Corinthians 15, 36, 38 talks about the resurrection, 
right? And it talks about the, the new body like Jesus was talking about there in John chapter 12. That what you sow, you do not sow the body that shall be, but mere grain. Perhaps um, wheat or some other grain, but God gives it a body as he pleases to each seed to its own body. Have you ever seen a watermelon look different than that one? Probably have, right? Tons of different watermelons look different. In fact, there are probably other watermelons on that vine that look different than that watermelon. Same genre of watermelon, but they don't what? Look the, the same. Okay? Who gives it the body? God. Who began the process that you plant a, a watermelon seed and you get a watermelon? God. When did he begin that process? In the beginning. When do you think he began the process of the principle that if you're willing to die to yourself, you'll see much fruit? In the beginning or before the beginning? Do you, you, you understand where I'm going with that? It's in the, I mean, because I agree with you in the beginning, Chuck, but it's in the what? Real beginning. But when we think in the beginning, we think what? Creation. But when did God determine that a part of his own Godhead, the Son, would come and die before the foundations of the world? Isn't that amazing? So the principle of glory and honor that Jesus is declaring was before he ever laid the foundations of the world. When we get to John 17, and and he's praying, Father, glorify me with the glory that I had with you beforehand. You start to get it. And this is an amazing thing to me. And so then we get into the, the, with evangelism, the application in evangelism, where he says, God is the one who what? Gave the increase, so... I plant out Apollos water, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God is the one who what? Gives the increase. And so as Jesus stated then about unless the, the seed dies, unless the grain dies, it doesn't bring forth fruit. There's a lot of people dying. There's a lot of people dying. Right now, even while we're talking around the world, there are people what? Dying. What? Is their death accomplishing? I'm not, that's not a rhetorical question. That's just, or maybe it is a rhetorical question, just kind of putting it out there. If it's not for Christ, it really has accomplished what? Nothing. Isn't that sad? One day you're going to die. One day you're going to die. How much fruit is going to remain? But you know what? You don't need to wait till you die. I think that's what Jesus is getting at. You don't have to wait till you die. Die, die, physically die, die. If you are willing to die to yourself now, then the fruit can begin coming while you're on the earth. Romans chapter 12, 1 says, Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you what? That you offer yourself as a, a living Sacrifice. What's a sacrifice? Something that has what? Died. So you can be a living sacrifice. Think about that. So Jesus gives him this principle of glory and honor, 
okay, with the entrance of the light. But then he, he gave him the, the promise, and again, we don't, can't spend a lot of time on it. But he says, and if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw who? All peoples to myself. Well, he declares this um, from Isaiah 49. Okay, there are things that we see in God's word, Old Testament, New Testament, that declare the same thing. And so um, we don't have time necessarily to go through all of it, but Isaiah 49 says, you can see in the blue highlight, for I shall be glorious in the eyes of Yahweh, and my God shall be my strength. Okay, it's talking about the Messiah. When Messiah comes, he'll be glorious. Okay, and it says, and I will also give you as a light to who? To the Gentiles, that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth again the jews should have understood when messiah came that he wasn't just messiah to the jews he was messiah for who for all peoples and so we see that then stated in first timothy 2 3 and 4 i know it's one of my favorite statements uh verses to go to but i it just has been such great impact for me that god desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth i can't be prejudicial or partial in my distribution of the seed. God wants everyone to be saved. Everyone. Even the ones you think will never, ever, ever get saved. You don't know that. And they may be the ones that are most impactful that God's going to use for the name of Christ. Think about a guy named Saul. He was from Tarsus. He was a Roman citizen. But he was trained up in the, in the Hebrew traditions. And he was so focused on those Hebrew traditions that he was doing what? You know who he is. He was killing the church. So let's bring Saul. He's no longer from Tarsus. He's from Trenton, New Jersey. And he's trained up in all of the, the things of the world. And he sees the church as the problem with the United States. And he's doing what? Doing everything he can to do what? Destroy the church. Don't answer it out loud. Now what do you think of Saul? He's not that Bible figure anymore that you're going, Oh man, this is really cool, Pauline, the epistles, and yada, 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 the preacher of grace. Now he's, in, he's walking in your day. He's killing your friends. He's persecuting your family. And he's coming to a church near you. Because we're Damascus. Now, how do you think about him? So, Agabus, I want you to go talk to him. I want you to, I want you to go put your hands on him, and I want you to heal him. I blinded his eyes, and now I want him to see. Because he's going to be my vessel. Now what do you think? Agabus. What did Agabus say? No, Lord, you don't understand. This guy has come to kill us. No, 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 Agabus. I'm sovereign. I'm in charge. You, you get what I'm saying? God desires all men, including women, to be saved. And to come to the knowledge of the truth. But note then, it says that there's one God and one what? One mediator between God and men, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. There's only one, okay, because he is glorified, okay, as that one. Jesus then went into the petition, again, 
Okay, so we saw this last week. I told you we're going to come through it again. His petition then is what? As a result of all this, I want you to walk in the light, and I want you to believe in the light. I want you to live, if you would. Where? In the light. Why believe in the light? What does Jesus say? What's the, the, the reason to believe in the light? Well, that's walking in the light, believing in the light. Why believe in the light? You become a son of light. Think about that. Who you are in Christ. You become a son of the light. A son of God. That's mind-boggling to me. I become a joint heir of Christ. We go on because even with this petition that Jesus then gives to walk in the light and to believe in the light, we then see, as we continue on now in John 12, beginning of verse 37, that they reject it. And so, verse 37, But although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him. That the word of Isaiah, not this is important, okay? So I want you to think about it. I have it up there, okay? And I have some colors on it. We're going to look at them, okay? But... Because the first part is the fulfillment of God's prophecy, right? It says that the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, fulfillment of prophecy, which spoke Yahweh, Lord, who has believed our report, into whom, that's actually Adonai, who has believed our report, into whom has the arm of Yahweh been revealed? Where did that come from? Isaiah 53, okay? Where he then talks about the suffering servant, okay? So that's important, okay? But he talks about the suffering servant, okay? But I want to show you one, the next one. I want to, I want to focus on this, okay? Because this is, again, so exciting to me. I mean, this is a massively exciting passage to me, okay? That we just read through and we don't even get it, okay? So he says, Therefore they could not believe, because Isaiah said again, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts, and turn so that they should, he should heal them. Okay, so stop for a moment. Where does that come from? They come from Isaiah chapter 6. Turn back to Isaiah chapter 6 with me. I was going to have one person go back and read it, but I decided, um, even while I'm standing here, that we're all going to go because it's just so important. Isaiah 6. Okay. Okay. And so you can see down in verse 9, 10, okay, is where that verse is taken from, okay? But I want to keep this all in context, okay? So I'm going to start back at verse 1, okay? In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, Adonai, sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. In the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, what? Holy, holy, holy is Yahweh Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of what? Say it again. Whose glory? Tell me specifically whose glory. Yahweh Sabaoth. Okay, so Yahweh's glory. Okay, he sees, he sees Adonai. We assume it's God, high and lifted up, right? He's sitting on a throne. 
there are angels, seraphim, flying about him who can't even look upon him, right? This sounds a little bit like Revelation 4 as well, but Revelation 4 isn't written yet. Okay? So, so be careful. I can't go to Revelation 4. I want to, but I can't. But I can come to Isaiah 6. And this is what's being quoted, right? So I got Yahweh. He's high and lifted up on his throne. Angels all around him. And they're crying out, holy, 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 right? And so, because they beheld the whores is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen who? The king. Who? Yahweh Sabaoth. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal which had been taken from the tongues of the altar, and he touched my mouth with it, and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your iniquity is taken away, your sins purged. And also I heard the voice of the Lord Adonai saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. And that's our passage. So let's go back to John 12. Because now you have context. So I'm going to start at verse 40 again. He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. These things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. Who is John talking about? Jesus. And he's quoting Isaiah. And he says, this is what Isaiah said when he beheld whose glory? Jesus. But we just read Isaiah. Whose glory? Yahweh Sabaoth. Yahweh. Who shall go for us? Who shall we send, right? Where does it ever say in the Bible that Jesus is God? Do you ever get the question? Can you show me one place? This is a pretty good place. Just go back to Isaiah 6, ask him whose glory it is, then come here and say, who did John say his glory was? Because if you're going to reject it, you're rejecting who? John. understand you're rejecting John. So now what do you got to do? Get rid of what? Everything John. No, not Isaiah. Isaiah. So, but John's lying. John doesn't know. So you've got to get rid of everything John said, including for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that, and, and all that other kind of stuff from 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, that God is love. And, and you've got to get rid of all that. Right? Do you see how Satan likes to just undermine and destroy? But the other way is, I love how God continually interweaves his truth. You can't I mean, you've you, you, you got to get rid of the entire Bible. That's why I've always said, look, if Jesus isn't God, if you can, I, I'm willing to admit that Jesus isn't God. I'm willing to admit it. But you have to prove it to me. And if you can prove to me that Jesus isn't God, I'm not even a Jew. Because the Old Testament teaches it. Do you get it? I'm going to be a creationist because I can't get away from the fact that it's a But... I am so there that Jesus is God, even though I don't understand the whole concept of it. I don't understand the Godhead. I do, but I don't, but I do, but I don't. But you get what I'm saying? I understand what he's revealed. But I don't have to understand the entire details. Go back to my watermelon seed. 
Do you know exactly what happens the entire process from that watermelon seed becoming a watermelon? Now, they, they, I know there are people probably who have done a, a massive study on it and probably could tell me all the details of it. But I don't. I don't know it all. All I know is that if I got a watermelon seed and I plant it underground, I'm not getting a cucumber. Does that make sense? I, I shouldn't be expecting an apple tree to grow. I'm a little bit deranged if, if I'm thinking that through. But that, assumingly, that plant's going to, that seed's going to die in some manner. But sprouting from the inside of it, there's going to be a what? A plant that's going to produce fruit. Anyways, these things Isaiah said when he saw, if you don't mind me putting his name in there, Jesus' glory. How cold is that? It's a mind-boggling thing to me. Okay? So, nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Sadly, not only do we see this fulfillment of God's prophecy, but we see then the desire for man's praise raising up above the desire for God's praise. And so, throughout his word, we're again told, and so I just have two passages up here that are, mean something to me as it comes from my perspective and as a reminder to me as I serve him. And that is from Galatians 1, verse 9 and 10. He says, As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any of the gospel to you, then what you have received, to let him be accursed. For I, do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Who am I desiring to please? Do I want everyone who hears me, sees me, to think, wow, Bob's really cool? I mean, yeah, there's part of me that, I mean, let's be honest, you, you like to be liked. Make sense? But if that is my ultimate motivation, my ultimate motivation, my ultimate motivation is wrong. I ought to be desiring to please God, even if men despise me. And so in 1 Thessalonians 2, 3, and 8, Paul again writes, For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the Gospels, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who what? Tests our hearts. So it's not even a matter of, again, what I'm presenting. It's a matter that God's looking where? He's looking deep down inside me. And so these leaders, again, in Jesus' day, they were understanding something. What were they understanding? This is important. Go back to this passage, John 12. What were they seeing? Nevertheless, verse 42, even among the rulers, many what? Many believed. So what were they understanding? Jesus is God. He's the Messiah. They were believing, right? But because of the Pharisees, they what? They did not what? Confess him. Tell, public proclaim him. Tell others, right? Lest they should be put out of the synagogue because they, they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. I want to stop for a moment. We've got to think about this one. Jesus said, John 8, we've already been there, right? To those Jews who what? Believed him. Can we sing it, huh? I can't. Help me. Start, start me off on it, Justin. You abide in my word. You are my disciples indeed. And you 
shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That's what Jesus said to the Jews who believed him. If, if you abide in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And you'll know the truth and the what? Truth will set you free. In the end of Matthew, well, not the end, but getting toward the end of Matthew chapter 7, in the midst of the, um, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus made a, an interesting statement. He says, if you do something before men, I will do something before my Father. If you confess me before men, I'll start there first. If you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father. But if you deny me before men, I will deny you before the Father. Can anybody know Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10? Where I know you know it because of the presentation of the gospel. That if you believe what? If you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Okay? Many people have taken that as a sinner's prayer. Confess with your mouth, say a sinner's prayer. That's not what it's stating. Put it all together. If you really believe in your heart, what's going to happen? You're going to confess with your mouth. Whatever you really earnestly are committed to and you believe, you'll talk about. You won't back off of. You won't be ashamed of. Rodney, if I disrespect the Cowboys... Dallas Cowboys. Are them there fighting words? Well, jokingly, but yes, in a sense, right? Yeah. I mean, I understand we're not really there in the NFL, but just because of past. But you get what I'm saying? We have things that we are really what? Committed to. We're going to be offended if you disrespect it. What about Jesus? I'm glad I'm not God. God knows these leaders' hearts. But it's said that they believed. At least what? Intellectually. They understood. But it didn't yet change their heart. Because they were more committed to the praise of man than they were the praise of God. And I have to ask myself that. And share in the wealth card. Play it out to you. Do you care more about what people think? Or what God thinks? Are you willing to be put out of the synagogue? Quote, unquote. For the name of Jesus. Are you willing to... I love Gerald's last week at men's breakfast. Um, someone said... It had to do with a certain political situation right now, which you can guess. Anyways, and about being thrown into a, uh, even what if you're getting thrown into a con uh, concentration camp? He says, well, then I'll go to the concentration camp because God has a purpose for me there. And they said, what would your purpose be there? And, and, and we all kind of chuckled, right? Because the guy knew immediately to do what? To proclaim the gospel in the consternation, in the consternation camp. It would be a consternation camp. The concentration camp. Okay, But to know that I'm going to suffer, I'm going to do those things because God's got a what? A purpose in all this. So this rejection of the light, 
then leads into this final phase, and this is the demarcation of the light. And that is that, again, this line in the sand. I was going to come back with the backdrop of putting that, that, that finger drawing the line in the sand again, but you wouldn't have been able to see it here anyway. But this, he comes right back to this. He's drawing the line in the sand one more time here in verse 44 down to the end, 50. He says, then Jesus cried out. He cries out. He says, look, I want you guys to hear this. He who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who has sent me gave me a command that I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is eternal or everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. So Jesus said he came, tells us his purpose. Purpose is threefold. He came, first of all, to reveal the Father. He who has seen me has what? Seen him who sent me. Now we know when we get to John 14, he's going to say that a little bit clearer, right? Philip, have I been so long with you that you haven't what? Recognized me. What was Philip's question or statement? Yeah, show us a father and it's a fight with us because we've memorized that in the King James. Okay, if you show us the father, it's sufficient. David, you were talking in Sunday school about how you talk to people and they ask you these questions and you like to come back and say, well, if I answered the question, would that be enough for you to believe? And probably the answer is no, but so you kind of know where you're at. But think about it. That's what Philip's saying. Show us the father. Show us the Father. Have you ever thought, Benedict, we'll talk a little more when we get there. But show us the Father. How many people have ever seen God at any time? Show us the Father, and, and, and it's good. I'm, I mean, would you be content? I mean, God, let me be like John right now. Take me up. Let me see the, the throne, the throne room. Let me see the, the angels, kind of, all kind of, and let me come back. I'll live differently if I could just do that. Did you ever think that way? Show us the Father and it's sufficient. Jesus said, what? Have I been so long with you and you've missed it? Here he says, whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. Again, that's that uh, movie strip. (laughs) What do you mean? see me you see him i mean it's like and he's not just saying in purpose he's already talked about it we're what we're one but then he says he came to what reveal the the light i came i've come as a light in the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness god doesn't want you to abide in darkness god wants you to know him god doesn't want you to abide in darkness and god wants you to be what saved that's the third purpose he came. He didn't come to judge. Look what he says. I did not come to judge the world, but to what? Save the world. 
That's his purpose. He didn't come to judge. He didn't come to condemn. If I'm really his follower, what should be my desire when I look at people in the world? That they get saved. Not that they're judged. But boy, do I like to want to judge. That's wrong. That's wisdom of the world. Not the wisdom of God. But the sad thing is, judgment is coming. And that's the second phase where he says here, in the basis of man's condemnation. Note what it is, though. The basis of man's condemnation is the rejection of Christ's words. He who rejects me does not and does not receive my words. Has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. Do you get this? To whom much is given, what? Much is required. If you reject Jesus' words, you're going to give an account for that. Now, salvation, clearly, Jesus is talking to this group, and he has overwhelmingly been telling them who he is. I am, I am, I am, I am. This is who I am. I have come for this moment. If you reject it, there's no other salvation for you. You've been looking for Messiah to come, and now you reject Messiah? What else do you have? There is nothing. But again, that application to us. What do I do with Jesus' words? It's the same concept. Not that I'm losing my salvation, but to get what's going on here. I mean, think about what Jesus is saying. If, if you reject his words, who are you really rejecting? The Father. Because he's only speaking what the Father gave him to speak. Do you get it? When Jesus came to the earth, Philippians chapter 2, even though he was an amorphe God, he thought of no robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of what? No reputation. He emptied himself, is literally the, the, the concept there in, 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 in the Greek. He emptied himself. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I know that he saw Nathaniel while Nathaniel was under the fig tree, so he had some ability for what? omniscience and stuff like that and yet he has limited himself and he only speaks what the what he hears the father what what he what the father tells him to speak yeah and so for me to reject jesus is to reject the father and jesus said what i'm sharing and i know that his command is everlasting life that the words that he gave me weren't a wishy-washy, I hope. I'd like it. But the words that he gave me are what? Life, but it's a command. It's a command. We make the mistake with our kids sometimes of asking questions. Would you take out the garbage? No, ma'am, I don't want to. Why well, want you to? Well, why didn't you say so from the beginning? Say, please take out the garbage. Then it's not even, because honestly, that's really what you're saying. We want to be nice and give them an option, you know. Would you like to take out the garbage? No, I really don't. 
oh, okay, well, let's God's not asking us. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is, this is not a, we have our options. You can come through Buddha, you can come through Confucius, you can come through Muhammad, you can come through, and we'll get there with John 14 as well, right? Jesus said, I'm what? The way, the truth, and the life. No one, how many? No one comes to the Father except what? By me. That's his command. I mean, it's not, it's not God's putting it out there for discussion. But his command is, Chuck, like you said, everlasting life. That's the whole point. You've got to be willing for your seed to what? Die. To really find life. How sad it is if you only find that when your physical tent actually does die. Do you realize that Jesus wants you to have everlasting life beginning right now? He wants you to have life abundant even right now. That's why he came, to give us life abundantly. But all the way back, I got to be willing to what? To die in order to find it. That's what these religious leaders weren't willing to do. Because they liked what? They liked the praise of man more than the praise of God. They thought living in the world was more exciting than living in the Spirit. But for those of you who have made this transition, you may still be struggling. You understand. I, I don't feel like I've ever sacrificed for Christ. I mean, I get it. People can say, yeah, you did, from the world's perspective. But on this end of it, I, don't feel, I feel like I've gained so much more than what the world ever thinks I lost. And I can go through from the world's perspective of, theoretically, what I gave up. <laughs> but when I look through back at my life and I see what my God has done in and through my life, it's amazing. And so I was going to share a testimony time, but just coming to my, the, the email that was <laughs> erroneously sent through to everybody. And so I don't know if you read it or not, but the guy that I replied and he replied back again, and I don't want to get into that, but just sharing with me a little bit more. I'm just overwhelmed by that. Do you get it? To, to know that God has used your seed to sprout other fruit that you don't even know of. That's that watermelon. It just came out of nowhere. And this individual has told me that that is his desire now, is to go do the exact same thing and make fruit. And how cold is that? You don't know where your life is going to influence you just don't know it. Adis, I'm thinking about, like, you're talking about your friend. You just don't know, do you? All of a sudden, boom, there it is in front of you. You know, the individual came last week because they wanted to celebrate their birthday with us. They don't attend our church. They're just in our neighborhood. <laughs> well, we just wipe. How many times have we been to the house? Twice? Isn't that nuts? Say again? In a good way. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's nuts in a good way. That's right. I was trying to think in a good way. What did I say in a good way? Yeah, it's nuts in a good way. I just want to encourage you. Be willing to lose your life. Let the things of this world go. They mean nothing in all of eternity. I joke about bleeding black and gold, you know, but it's a joke. This, whether the Steelers get 15 Super Bowls and, and yada, 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 in all of eternity, it means nothing. Do you get it? Nothing. But the souls of people are everything. So, in the end, who's Jesus to you? Is he really Yahweh incarnate? Have you believed in the light? Are you walking in the light? But are you, though, the other side of it, purposely, blinding your own eyes and hardening your heart to the message of the light? Do you get that? Could, that's us. He was talking to Jewish people who knew of God. But they were purposely rejecting the message of God, the words of Christ, if you would. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city that is set upon a hill cannot be hidden. Whose light cannot be hidden. I missed some words there. Do you get the point here? Your light is shining. You are a city that is set upon a hill. And whether you think it's shining or not, guess what? It's shining. And everybody sees what you are shining. He goes on in Matthew 6 then and says, If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Can I ask this question? Are you shining, reflecting the light? It's more of a reflection than it is really its own light. Okay, but take the analogy for what it is. Do you got a neon light going? I mean, is it, you got LEDs. I mean, is it bursting out there? You know, one of those um, ones with the cone and the, the thousand lumens or whatever. And <laughs> I'm probably using my my numbers wrong, but I just know that my boys, when we went to Canada, they would buy these tactical kind of um, flashlights. Thank you. That man, we get to see like forever up there. It was nuts. Where do you got a black light? That, yeah, there's a glow in the window, but <laughs> it isn't doing anything for anybody anywhere nearby. So Jesus said. But if the light that's in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Is there then a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act? Let's pray. Father, thank you for you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, help us to be willing to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, to, to be willing to die in order that we might truly be fruitful. For your kingdom's glory, Lord, help us not to suppress the truth, even within ourselves, but Lord, to receive your words, to, re to hear them, and to rejoice in them. And God, I pray that you would help us to be bold in the proclamation and presentation of your word. Lord, help us to be faithful to be reading your word and to have it within us that you might use it to speak through us. And yes, Lord, help us then to be willing and faithful to go through those doors that you open up for us and to be able to preach, to share, to proclaim your truth that others might come to know you. In Christ's name.
Amen.